When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Uh, welcome to our little get-together. This is where we try and make money make more sense so you can end up making more money. We try to simplify the process. We try to strip away the jargon and the crazy stuff that Wall Street wants you to do. And, and most importantly, remove the emotional component. That's the key, which is why on, on a podcast that aired earlier this week, I said, before we get started, grab a snack. You don't want to get financial advice on an empty stomach. Then you criticized me for eating peanuts, said that wasn't a snack, which I do think is a snack, but that's another you podcast. You said a few peanuts. Or I don't know how many I had, but I, let's just go back and talk about, we know, we know because we've seen the numbers for 30 years that most times people move their money, they make a change in their portfolio, they buy a stock, they sell a stock, they move to cash, et cetera. Most of the time it's done because they feel really great about something, really excited about it, or they're really depressed because their portfolio has gone down. Last spring, we saw the numbers of the number of people that sold out of stocks and moved to cash, which was the opposite thing you should have been doing. There are periods where euphoria takes over the late 1990s, right? Where people were borrowing money from their homes to buy stocks and just in time for the market to go down. So you're right, Don. Emotional decisions of any kind are not a great idea, but especially when it comes to your money. Jason Zweig, uh, you, we mentioned him in the previous podcast. He just wrote a new piece at the at Wall Street Journal, and I do think it's the one column said this before that you should try to read every week but he wrote that great book your money and your brain which talks about the fact that your brain is wired exact opposite than it should be around making these money decisions but he goes further here it's pretty interesting they talk about they talk about making decisions uh it's the, the sub headline is you should never buy bitcoin on an empty stomach well i don't think you should buy it at all uh, it's a little like going to the grocery store hungry, right? You don't want to be there kind of like, oh, wow, those Twinkies look great, but an orange would be less filling um, because we know people end up making bad decisions. And the article at the end of the day, I think, Don, Don says really two things. Letting go of the noise. There's a, there's a thousand opinions out there every single day that are telling you to do something. Most of the time they want you to do it because they're going to profit from you doing it. Because if your money's at one brokerage, it makes a lot of sense to move it to another. No question. The other one is people have a tendency to walk in, feel good about something, and take action. Yeah, I'll do it. Instead of waiting, taking a deep breath, thinking through big decisions, especially when it comes to their money. And, and this came up again recently with a more personal story of someone we knew who had their 401k positioned very well and decided. It's just not exciting enough. I'm going to buy Tesla. I'm going to buy these other tech stocks just in time for all of them to go down. 
and wanted a little more flavor to everything, excitement. I, I still stand by that quote. I think it's a great one. You know, investing should be like, what is it, watching paint dry or watching grass yes, grow? Paul Samuel said yeah. uh, investing should, uh, shouldn't be exciting. It should be dull and boring. It should be like watching paint dry or grass grow. If you want excitement, don't go to the local Merrill Lynch office. Go to the casino. Yeah. Uh, okay. You can go to either. You get excitement either place, probably. But no, you're gonna get no. I disagree. If you're looking for action, I see. I want action from my money. You don't go to your broker where they're gonna they're gonna make a, a lot of money, like a casino, but you're not gonna have any fun doing it. Oh, that's true. At least if you go to Vegas, you have fun losing your money. And then there's the whole alcohol. They don't serve that much alcohol at Merrill Lynch, probably. So I'm Scotch telling you, this joy. this is my my casino strategy. And it has worked 100% of the time. I never lose money in a casino. Because? Never. I have a perfect track record for never losing money because I set aside a certain amount of money, whether it's $20 or $40 for the evening. I go with my wife or friends. You know, we sit and we sit at the bar where they have poker, the little machines where you punch the buttons and play machine poker. And I get a, a couple of rolls of quarters. And I never play more than a quarter per hand ever because you got to keep playing to keep drinking. And then I get my beer and I play and I get a beer. We have conversation. We talk in between rounds. We compare each other's hands. Oh, look. uh, uh, Okay. Have a great deal of fun for a couple hours. We drink. If we end up spending the whole $40, we got $40 worth of drinks. One time in Reno, I was up $72 over my $40 at the end of an evening. So I won a couple of times and I've never, ever lost. It is the perfect strategy. Yeah. I, and it's fun. Yeah. I, I love that. And, and as a guy who's not been to casinos very much, again, I think it's what, what, or me, <laughs> what Jason's really telling you is. Don't let people get you excited about things. Don't let people pitch you things that feel great or don't pay attention to the media that makes you feel either great or down because those things will push you into making bad decisions. So, yeah, I like the full stomach idea. I like the don't sneak down late at night to trade markets, which I know people have done. Some people do. They do that. You know, it, it that's no different than sneaking down and probably having something to eat at the wrong time of day as well. So I think it's good advice. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I was just, I was looking at Bitcoin and I literally just looked Bitcoin up today when we were recording this and Bitcoin has plunged from its high in the middle of April of $63,000. It was so exciting in April, wasn't it? Everybody was talking about Bitcoin. I want to get in Bitcoin. It looks less exciting now that it's half price. And And by the way, right. We're wired backwards. Yeah. It, when things are down, and by the way, I would still wouldn't buy Bitcoin because I think it's going to go down much further. But in a general sense, when things have gone down, that's the time to buy them, not after they've gone up. And our brains just tell us, no, I want to, I feel better about things. Things feel good when the prices have gone up. That's when you should be nervous and instead buying the things that have decreased in value. So I think it's great. But it's hard for us to do. It's just so hard to do. Uh, Let me give you a question. It's kind of a long one, but it's a, it's a good one. 
It's going to apply to Washington, which means I probably should give it to you on the weekend. But Washington yeah, State. Yeah, <clears throat> it's about the it's about the um, the new capital gains tax in Washington. It's too specific to Washington. So we're just going to we're going to skip that. If it's one. the we're person you asked about one. whether it applies to real estate, the answer is yes, it does apply to real estate. Oh, well, there you have it. I already called him back yesterday. That's what kind oh, of service you, you get good. from me. After the show, I saw the question. I said, I will call him back and tell him, yes, it does. You still get the $250,000 exemption. But after that, you got to pay the 7% tax. All right, then I'm going to give you another one. This is about <laughs> selling a house. Yes. You're good. Okay. Like psychic. I'd rather Hi, buy, Tom can Dunn. I buy a nice house? I'd rather buy something that's maybe overpriced and then pay more on top of it. Isn't that possible? Oh, you and it's your brother. It's a family brother. thing, I think. You and your brother. His brother overpaid for a house, Tom thinks. He, well, okay, he paid more minute. than they he were asking. He paid more than they were asking for. The, I mean, I think I can say without yeah. any doubt he paid more. Anyway, let's not pick right. on. Hi, Tom. Yes. Shh. Okay. I'm asking a question now for one of our important listeners, sir. Hi, Tom Don. With this crazy market, we're considering selling our house. We bought in February of 2019 for $500,000. We still owe $460,000. Mortgage is $2,500 a month at 2.99. House is small, but nicely updated. Great front backyard. Highly desirable area. One block from the Playfields. Uh, estimate on Zillow is 670 so I think we could actually get over 700 without the market is now. My concern is that we really like our neighborhood and neighbors. We have an eight-month-old, and I would like to think we could invest the proceeds into something simple but diverse like VT or Virginia Tech. Same thing, VT, Virginia Tech. Huh? My wife went to Virginia Tech. And save for a few years and then buy again, hopefully, when the market goes down. But isn't that market timing? I feel like our area might be going up since light rail will be here in 2024. Some facts. Mary, 33, 140 grand in our IRAs for I don't need to hear anything income, more. income, 100 grand. Wouldn't you? Would you busy? Uh, yes. I don't need to hear anything more. Number one, real estate homes, not REITs, should be purchased for lifestyle reasons. They should not be purchased because the market's doing this. They should not be purchased or sold for that matter because I'm going to get rich. Because as you just said, you got to move somewhere else. Where are you going to move? What are you going to do? I mean, there's a half a million dollar home in the Seattle area. I don't even know where that is. So no, I would not be doing 2500 $2,500 yeah. $2, a month mortgage payment. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mess around with that. In a nice neighborhood. Yeah. Where you like living and your child hopefully will like it. I wouldn't, there's no way I would do that. Even though, yeah, you're saying, well, the profit is substantial. Sure. Uh, no, I, that's, you're right. That is exactly what you're saying. That is market timing. It is speculative to do that. I, over the long haul, still expect that real estate will return a very little bit over inflation, even in Seattle. I know you can come and throw a tomato on my window for saying that, but I still think that is what's going to happen in the long haul. We've had an exceptional run. And by the way, that also suggests to me sometimes that you're going to have an exceptional going the other direction because things have yeah. gone up so fast. I don't know. I trust the long-term numbers, and the long-term numbers say you make a little over inflation. If it was purely a financial decision, purely financial, I might do it to take the, let's see, you're going to come out of it with- yeah, 170. Uh, 700. Got to pay. Yeah, you're going to come out after commissions, 150, 160, yeah, you gotta have to maybe pay, 170. You won't have to pay um, 
I guess that that avoids the real estate tax, so that helps, right? But with the two hundred fifty thousand exemption, yeah. What you're going to have to do is find a place to rent cheap for that downturn that you don't know is even going to happen. We can guess it probably will at some point because usually downturns happen. But what do you do in the time it takes for that to occur? That could be six months from now, could be six years from now. We just don't know. It could be never. The time to sell is when it's time to sell. I'll give you a perfect example. In my life, my wife and I are now down to two people. My wife and I. That's it. We are two people. We live in a 4,000 square foot house that is appreciated like crazy in an area where it's getting more expensive to live. We... We, we're, we're planning for our retirement, which will come someday, although I probably will never retire. So we're looking for a place that's less expensive. So we bought a house in a new community. We are getting our house on the market this week, by the way. Now you said it publicly, we're going to hold you to it. But the point of the matter is you bought another house for reasons of lifestyle. You're selling your current resident because it's too big for reasons of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the correct reason to buy real estate. By the way, I... I know we kidded my family member who overpaid for a house. But he's buying it for lifestyle. He is buying it for lifestyle. And, you know, the fact is, in this market, he may have done something very smart because he went in well above the ask to just clean off, to get rid of everybody else. In other words, they decide that's the house they want. It is where it is. We can afford it. And rather than getting in a bidding war with all these other people, why don't we just come in above them, clean it, and no no one challenged him. Maybe that's the better strategy in today's market. You got to have cash. You got to be ready to close quick and you got to go above the way above the asking price to get rid of the competition. That might be the right thing to do. I don't know. I got to send him a copy of this podcast so he knows how to argue with you later. <laughs> He's going to need Since it you this just week. Did it for him. You can, he can, you can make a comment. And he could play back the podcast. <laughs> no, yes, you said but. earlier, <laughs> here's what you said on the podcast. Yeah, here's what you said. So, uh, okay. It's just a hey, lousy wanna... time. It's a lousy time to be buying real estate. That's the bottom line. And and by the way, it's in smaller places and bigger places. There was a piece in the Wall Street Journal last week talking about smaller communities that are rocketing up. And I know someone just moved to Walla Walla that said their house is up by 25% in the last two years. So even those places are going up. Let me tell you my, my gut, which is based on emotion. And so it's worthless. It's totally worthless. But if you read some of the most uh, recent demographic information, particularly post-COVID, there is a baby bust globally. And it has been, there's been a trend, a longer-term trend toward fewer births. Yeah. And I want to tell you, there's one thing about real estate. Real estate does not, in and of itself, grow more valuable as much as we're accustomed to it doing so. And most of that is because of the leverage that we make the big big uh, killings on real estate is because we borrow money. But the reality is, if we have a demographic situation where there are fewer buyers and and a supply of existing real estate, we could enter a long, long, long period. We could, a very long period of real estate not appreciating it at, appreciating and, and, at and all. And it goes back to what we talked. I will say in defense of people that have the other side of the argument that young people today are waiting longer to set up households. And so there is some suggestion that they will eventually start buying house, but th- that's a separate thing. Again, it goes right back to what you just said though. You own a house because that's where you want to live. You want to mm-hmm. be part of the neighborhood. I plan on staying in mine forever. 
And so I really don't care what the market does. It can go up, down, sideways, it can do whatever he's gonna it be, likes. He's going to be sitting there staring at that chair going, <laughs> is anybody ever going to no sit in this chair, up from a chair. With, his, with his fingernails just growing? Oh, please. <laughs> so, no, I mean, I think, again, um, back to the, the question. No, I would not be selling just to make money. Number two, you got to have a place to live. Number three, you have no idea that in five years you may be trying to do this again and prices may have doubled. You may be like, oh, that was a oh, no. bad idea to, to sell at 670 because that same place is now a million bucks. I would not mm-hmm. do that. No way. Mm-mm. Lifestyle. All right. Oh, and one more interesting real estate anecdote, too. Um, smaller houses, I believe, are probably going to be the more valuable asset going forward. I noticed in our little town here, we have a number of houses that are in the 1,500 to 2,000 square foot range that are similar quality to the 3,500 to 4,000 square foot houses, but the small ones are going for 300 a square foot, while the bigger ones are going in the 230, 240 a square foot range. Interesting. So people with smaller houses are getting more money for their house, basically, because there's more demand for the littler houses. You start getting in the 300s, you're getting up to us big people here in the Northwest that make like- Yeah, exactly. That's in Florida. Yeah. Could all fall in a sinkhole soon, so- it's. I worry more about being eaten by gators. What about the hurricanes? They're they're, they're prolific. Oh yeah, and hurricanes. You know, that's the other reason I want to get out of here. I am so tired of hurricanes. Just tired. Of I them. didn't want to tell you, but if you open that door, no, don't open the door. Okay. Yeah, there's like Anna already. <laughs> I know. We have one a name storm, storm already. already, and isn't it like May? I mean, come on. I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> You're out of there. All right. Um, hey, thank you all for, I got to go. Thank you for being a part of the podcast. Not only do I have to go, Tom has to go. You have to go. Get the heck out of here. But thanks for listening and uh, spread the word. Oh, and by the, by the, by, if you have questions, call them in at 855-935-TALK or send them in at talkingrealmoney.com. You can type them or speak them. And if you need buckets of help, Tom and his merry band of people with letter designations behind their names no one in the chair are there to help you with a free absolutely free meeting no obligation no sales pitch period we've helped a lot so, of people uh, that go way to, yeah go to vestory.com v-e-s-t-o-r-y.com and set up a meeting that's it it's easy and they're nice and they're fiduciaries and they're not sales pitchy people because guess what they don't work on commission easy Easy peasy, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. See you later. I don't know where that came from? Alligator. Alligator. You know, I'm going to go out and check crocodile. thirty in the yard. Okay. Thank you all for being there. I'm Don. That's Tom. We talk real money. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.